0: Welcome to this episode of the Gloriosos Italian Podcast. We're happy you could join us. This episode, our very own chef, Darren Wisniewski, sits down with Caitlin Cullen, owner of The Tandem, who does amazing work for the community. Before we get into the interview, we want to give you some updates We're heading into the fall and winter holiday season which means that Gloriosos is bringing out our unique Italian holiday treats like panettone and pandoro uh, imported from Italy along with panforte and many other specialty foods that Italians enjoy over the holiday season. We'll also have our very popular special family recipe Christmas sausage available around the first week of December we take choice cuts of pork and blend it with fresh green onions, tomato, arabella cheese, imported spices, and marsala wine. It's very special, only available during the month of December. Finally, we're excited to announce some new holiday gift sets this year. We've launched a number of cocktail-themed sets, including our very own Limoncello, an Aperol Spritz gift set, a Negroni cocktail set as well as others. We realize this year is certainly different than in past years. You may be traveling less and staying home more, so our gift sets could be the perfect way to send some joy to your family members and friends all over the country. Our sets feature the unique items only found at Gloriosos like our artisan pastas, our family recipe sauces, pestos, extra virgin olive oils, balsamic vinegars, and Of course, our family collection wines. We ship coast to coast and have over a dozen sets priced between $20 and $100. We've worked on these sets to make sure that we have something available for everyone. Visit shop.gloriosos.com where you can search for gifts. And of course, we can also put together custom sets to suit your needs. We do that all the time and we're more than happy to do so. Now on to the interview. Chef Darren Wisniewski sits down with Caitlin Cullen, owner of the Tandem. In this interview, she talks about the beginnings of Tandem, their community focused approach, job training, and building life-sustaining career skills for those in the community. She also touches on their work with the World Central Kitchen and Tandem's work with the city of Milwaukee to provide meals to low income seniors this year. She also touches a little bit on redefining what it means to be a restaurant in 2020 and finding meaning in service to others. And
1: everybody who's listening,
0: this is uh, Caitlin Cullen.
1: Did I pronounce that right? That's it. Um, Chef owner of Tandem, um, which is over on Fond du Lac Avenue, right? Yep. And um, great little restaurant. You've been open how, how long now?
2: Almost four years in just a couple weeks now. I don't know how we're going to have our party, but. (laughs)
1: Congratulations. (laughs) We're hosting
2: a super spreader event on November 22nd. No, I'm just kidding. I
1: don't (laughs) know how we're going to do that, but. When you opened up Tandem, can you just maybe tell us a little bit about the restaurant? And I know when you opened it up, you kind of on your website, you have, uh, you've been kind of community focused the whole time, which is a little bit different concept for a lot of restaurants. Can you just talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. um, I think it it was the whole goal of the restaurant
1: was to be community focused.
2: It it happened wholly on accident. Like I decided that I wanted to maybe have a restaurant and then this space showed up at 18th and Fond du Lac. And then all of a sudden I was looking at it and like writing letters of intent and it just spiraled out of control really quickly. (laughs) But when I was looking at it, there was no world in which... I would have opened a restaurant at 18th and Fond du Lac and not had a community focused approach that was specific to that community. Right. I think any restaurant is community focused, right. You engage with those people who are around you and, and the people who care about you being there and what was maybe most moving or impactful in Lindsay Heights, which is where the tandem is, was some job training, you know, some actual money going into residents hands, you know, kids learning some stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that's we, it's a terrible business model. I mean, we make like no money ever. <laughs> we, we often just lose it. We're getting better at that now. Four years is a lot of learning, but it's not a very sustainable thing, especially not for one person to run. But it's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool gig, and it still works enough.
1: So, when you say you were focused on like job training, any kitchen I've been in, I mean, it, there's you know, the job training in terms of like learning to become a cook, learning to become a chef, is that really your main focus is just giving people like, you know, like a like an opportunity who might not be able to go to like a trade school or something like that to learn this business or?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, a lot of us get into careers based on like yeah, going to school or studying something. Um, but the culinary field is ripe with people like me who just started cooking at the Philly way down the street from here because I wanted to do that instead of teaching. Like it's full of people who are secondary or tertiary career folks who have decided that this is something they love to do or, you know, some dishwasher who's been washing dishes at 16 in some pizza place and all of a sudden runs the place 10 years later. It's a career field that's really open to that. And Meanwhile, like, the north side of Milwaukee is a dumpster fire as far as, like, uh, every national poll or data survey ever. It's it's really tough to support a family. It's really tough to find a job. It's really even tougher to find a job if you've been incarcerated. Um, there are all these barriers that are put into place to kind of keep the hood the hood. And so it seemed like it would be a fun idea to see if we couldn't break some of those walls down and get some kids into the culinary career or just get them in a job long enough that when they know they'd rather work at the mall, they can go to the mall and say, I worked at this place for seven months. Like I'm not a total psycho. I can hold down a job. Things that I think a lot of us take for granted, especially as a white person, I take for granted, but it's been, yeah, that was kind of the goal. I mean, the job training part, I think is the least amount of training we do. You know, there's only so much you can learn in a kitchen that makes all kinds of scratch cooking, but makes the same scratch cooking every day after a year, you know, all the recipes. It's more the whole experience of having a job and of being valued as a whole person by an employer. So then
1: do you have a lot of turnover at your place because you're pushing people (laughs) forward? So that's a constant challenge for you, I guess.
2: Yeah. My unemployment taxes are insane and my insurance very high because we have... Uh, we've had over 150 kids work there. Oh my God! Um, and we haven't been open for four years yet, and and that's not counting the past eight months when we've had five employees as opposed to 25. So, yeah, it's a really huge turnover, and that sucks, and it makes it really hard. Um, it's exhausting. You finally get a kitchen in order, and then all of a sudden, everybody's gone again, or something crazy can happen. Like I can shatter my ankle right after a bunch of. My staff had like graduated and moved on and then you've just got like, you know, some kid who's not ready to do anything as like the only cook in your kitchen. It's tough, but it's also super rewarding. Like when I go in normal pre-COVID times to Uncle Wolfie's to have brunch on a Sunday or a Monday when I'm off work, I see a kid I've known who's not a kid anymore, but I've known her since she was 18, you know, like the hostess yelling, and she, Teresa really yells. She's like, "Kevin!" And she, I hope that I hope that went good on the podcast. But she's so loud. Sorry for your ears, guys. But it's great to see. Like, oh my god, this is a really cool place that gets national attention for the kind of food it does. It's a really open environment. It's in a historically black community that's gentrifying quickly. And Teresa can work there and make way more money than she ever made bartending or even managing at the Tandem. You know, or it's encouraging to see. Yeah, it's really encouraging. Not even everyone stays in food. They go into other avenues of work, home health care, or a lot of health care stuff. But it's just really, that makes it worth it. It sucks, though. Yeah, it really sucks. (laughs) Teaching people new (laughs) stuff every six weeks.
1: Well, I mean, I remember, and this was... Quite a few years back, I'm, I don't know if you had, how long you had been open at the time, but I I was driving into work and I uh, was listening to uh, listening to the radio and heard you talking about they, they were interviewing you talking about tandem and, and one of the things that you had said it uh, that really struck stuck with me um, was that you know like you were paying your dishwashers exceedingly more than most people around most restaurants around the city were. We're doing it and yeah. you also mentioned well i don't have a dishwasher so they're washing you know i don't have a dish machine so they're washing everything by hand so i kind of justify it that way and i'll be honest i at, at the time i was kind of like what is this woman nuts <laughs> like she's is she trying to kill the rest of the restaurant <laughs> industry off you know yeah. she's gonna raise all these rates uh, and uh,
2: eleven dollars for dishwashing it, yeah criminal. You know,
1: it, yeah exactly yeah um but you know now we're seeing more of Wages pushing up and, and, and going there. So you were kind of uh, ahead of the curve in, in that respect. But um, I also remember you saying that you really didn't want to have uh, a career dishwasher. You, you were looking to bring people in so that they could keep moving forward and keep um, expanding themselves and growing themselves, and and I thought that was really unique, and and you don't hear that a lot, I don't think, in this no, industry. No, a
2: dishwasher, like a good dishwasher, is a unicorn in Milwaukee. Like oh, yeah. you, you, <laughs> ha- you know, people who trade dishwashers, it's insane. And like <laughs> if you're one of the, like the longstanding guys, you'll pass from restaurant to restaurant as they close or move on and make like fifteen dollars an hour because just having someone reliably to do that is huge. Uh, I have changed my tune about that a little bit, and there is—I always want one career dishman, and I've got one now, and that's what changed my mind. Is this guy Chuck came in from across the street in the park one day and was like, "Hey, I'm homeless. I need a job," and I was like, "You're in luck. My dish guy didn't show up today, so he's been with us now. God, eighteen months, almost two years. He's the most reliable guy I've ever had in my life. He's loyal. He's family. That has changed my perspective on how much to pay." a career dish person you know what i mean so there it's a difference like the reason i paid kids 10 11 bucks to wash dishes is i have to convince you that the money i have is as good as the money you're getting elsewhere or markedly easier for you to decide to do it and eight bucks an hour is not doing that no kid is going to stop selling weed for eight bucks an hour it's just not it's not feasible and you have to be at work at nine no so that remains the same. Like as we have, you know, young people come in and wash dishes. I want you to have that be your first job so you can make a little scratch. See what a paycheck feels like in your hand and then then want to start cooking. Because washing dishes sucks. Mm-hmm. But for somebody like Charles, like this is what he's going to be doing. He's a, a partner in this restaurant as much as I am and so Our new shtick is really working on like life-sustaining careers for some folks. So this is a stepping stone for a lot of you, but for somebody like Charles, I hope he's my dishwasher in 10 years and I'm giving him paid time off and salaried work and we're going to figure out how to do benefits just because there does need to be some value in that kind of work too. Not everybody wants to be a line cook. Not everybody wants to be a chef. Some people just want like a good paying job.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting to me that you 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 know you had a guy who was homeless just walk in and, and you're giving him a job because again that you don't see that much. Especially I was
2: washing the dishes. I <laughs> needed someone to wash those dishes. I was like, no problem. Here's the soap. Uh, <laughs> like.
1: Awesome. Um. So you've been pretty busy now leading up to yesterday, right? With because you've been uh, working with what uh, food trucks or you're trying to get portable like. Just <laughs> meals down to the voting.
2: Yeah, just getting sites. snacks and stuff to people who are waiting in and waiting around voting sites. So you didn't even have to be a voter to you know get food. It wasn't. I think that's illegal too. It was just like, okay, this is a really big deal. Let's make this a celebration. And that was the World Central Kitchen's idea, not my idea. So they really they helped us pay for a lot of our food and meals that we put out to the community this summer through one of their Chef Relief programs. And they hit me up. Oh, Lord, I almost killed them. But they hit me up like, you know, a couple days before early voting started. and was like, do you think you could mobilize like, you know, a cup, 50,000 meals again? Something crazy. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's do this. And so we had restaurants, 28 of them out of the polls at the start of early voting, which was October 20th until yesterday. Yesterday was the grand finale. Yesterday was insanity. Like (laughs) I didn't sleep well. I was like, tomorrow is going to be insane. We still don't know who's president, but a lot of people got to eat a lot of good food.
1: Nice. So you had 28 restaurants participating in this yep. um, just from all over the city. Are you getting pl- people from like further out from the city or are they mostly just based they're here in Milwaukee? are mostly
2: based in Milwaukee. Uh, we got Cloud Reds in Shorewood and, and the Public Tables in West Allis. And we only really go outside of Milwaukee for folks who ask or are cool. Like those are good friends of mine and they're great people and they really care about our nation and our future and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just mostly Milwaukee restaurants. We just called every. I sent a quick email out to everybody who had done meals for us over the summer, which was like 50 restaurants. And it's a tough time. So not only were they excited to be able to like go walk away from their restaurant that has seven reservations planned for the entire week to do something fun, but they got to get paid to do it and you know celebrate the democratic process
1: so you said this was based with the world's central kitchen yeah can you explain a little bit about what that is and and who's running it and uh, that's jose andres yeah, yeah. and so for people who don't know he's a one of the it's a big ball chef yeah, he, i mean yeah, he's like yeah. one of the ba- biggest global
2: superstars yep. think like anthony bourdain's homie style yeah. status
1: yep but he 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 organizes the kitchen uh, it's out of puerto rico correct or so
2: the world central kitchen's a little different so he kind of based some of it on dc central kitchen which is like a food relief agency in the district of columbia i don't really know the details too much on the connections there but i do know the world central kitchen really got its start when um hurricane maria happened in puerto rico quite a few years ago now or at least it feels like it was And basically, he went down there with some buddies. He's like, let's bring a bunch of cash, like grab some water, bring whatever we have, like empty out every ATM on our way down there just so we can help start relieving people because this is clearly a huge disaster and no one's ready. And they got down there and and realized that everybody is in charge of food relief in a national disaster. Red Cross, Salvation Army, like everybody who comes through and does all this work is technically in charge of making sure people eat which means that nobody's in charge of making sure people are getting fed. You know what I mean? Somebody's like sending out ration packs that no one would eat. And in a moment of crisis, you really need something to nourish you. And so they've started setting up a kitchen there and kitchens all over the country, or well, it's not a country, all over the state or whatever you call it, province, municipality, colonized island (laughs) that deserves different status or their own nation again. Um, But he just started setting up kitchens, paying people in those kitchens to make food, using a lot of volunteer labor as well to assemble things and getting things out to people that actually tasted like something that would comfort them. I don't know, it was just weird. And so they do... Primarily relief work, but when the pandemic hit, they thought of that as relief work as well. I mean, so many people were unemployed. A huge number of them were in restaurants. Restaurants all of a sudden go come to a screeching halt. It's hard to remember now, but like we're almost there again. But when it was like carry out and delivery only, you're going out of business. I hope that all of your debts are paid. And so they paid restaurants nationwide to redistribute that money through this. I'm not even sure what the initiative was called anymore, but they saw that we were doing some work. A buddy of mine put me in contact with them, Tariq from 88.9, the DJ. He was just like really depressed and was like, man, I got to do something. And so we wrote this nice long letter to like info at worldcentralkitchen.com. And two days later, we had signed paperwork with them and were able to use their money to basically pay restaurants to help us make you know 1,800 meals a day. 1,800 meals That's the last day. I like to use that figure. I like to throw that around like it was every day. No, like some days in the early days, it was like 150. But by the end, our last day of meals, we put out 1,800
1: portions of food. And that was all free to the community? All free. Wow. That is incredible.
2: It was a lot of fun. It's really fun. I learned a lot about how much I like to cook when I don't have any options. Like when you're working with donated product and you've got a bunch of like burger meat from the fi serve that got donated that's a frozen you're like well what the you know like when you have like nine elements and you're like this is gonna have to be dinner let's make it fun we didn't order anything for months we just like made it up
1: nice and then you said you had 50 other restaurants working with you during that first wave yeah um and so i i know with us you were offering uh what it was like ten dollars Per meal that the restaurant could do. So, this is not only going to help feed the community, but it's also helping keep these restaurants afloat during this time and keep them open and help keep their staff working. Yeah. So, I
2: mean, a lot of people who were in lines for the meals in the early days were laid off restaurant workers. Like, I don't have any savings and I own a restaurant. Like, people who got laid off quick and luckily got to start collecting unemployment, hopefully, but like they were waiting on that time. And so, everyone's waiting in line for some food. But like, wouldn't it be cool if I could get you out of line because you could go back to work at your job that had to lay you off because nothing was going on. But now they have a bunch of they have to cook every week. So you can like at least go in there and help cook some of it and box it up. It it worked really well. I mean, there wasn't anything perfect about it. Like there were a lot of things that I wish we still could have done, but it was a pretty good first effort.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and now, did you see like a lot of, I mean, what kind of restaurants were participating in this? Did you see more high end places or did you see more uh, just the mom and pop type places? Super mixed,
2: man. Highbrow, lowbrow, high end, like, and then like borderline fast casual, a little bit of everybody. It was super diverse. It was like, you know, Lindsay Heights is the Milwaukee's North Side. So we engaged a lot of restaurant partners from our community. But, and we made a lot of new friends too. Like, Word would come through the grapevine that this restaurant was paying people to do this kind of work, and we met all kinds of restaurateurs who were just getting their start. I mean, like, Big Daddy's is now crushing it over on Humboldt, and he's nonstop with his barbecue. Like, he was looking for a place and needed seed money because he supported his family on his barbecue, but in the pandemic knew, like, that's what he had to do. Now he's got his own little spot, you know? So it was just, it was everybody. But also, like, you could get a meal from Sanford, which is insane in a soup kitchen line. <laughs> you know, like, that's pretty wild. Like, I've eaten at Sanford twice, and my partner works there. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah, all kinds of stuff.
1: Wow, that's good. That's incredible. Um, I know during the first quarantine, you said that. Uh you know, all the food was donated. Um, where was all this stuff coming from? Are you involved with places like Hunger Task Force or Feeding America? Are any of those places kind of hooked up with this? Or is this was this all through like private donations? Um, people who like in the within the community who just knew about this or restaurants, everybody. grocery stores?
2: It was literally everybody. I mean, you guys Glorioso's hauled like two full trucks worth of dropped it off in our dining room and we were able to put together like Mother's Day kits and Father's Day kits like value added stuff so people didn't feel like can you imagine that Mother's Day and Father's Day happened this year yeah I don't remember that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah normally you would remember Mother's Day for sure yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) um But like Feeding America and the Fiserv Forum came together and basically like the Fiserv had all this food for playoffs. They had started doing some of their DNC ordering and the writing was on the wall that they weren't going to be opening that building up. So they donated a bunch of food to Feeding America and we organized, you know, 40 restaurants coming to pick that food up at like the warehouse running around. But then also we had, you know retirees who have like a gentleman's farm on their property or large beds bringing, you know, squash every week. Or uh, there were a couple different organizations, different farms that came in and got involved and basically put in plots for us. So it just, yeah, there was food all summer long and all winter. I mean, it was just a lot of food.
1: That's that's awesome. That's it's great to hear that people are really coming together during this time and, and participating in this and, and really helping out those less fortunate themselves. I well, think yeah,
2: and people didn't need to do that, right? Like they went out of their way to find a way to help. So like their people-powered produce is this little, I don't know, it's probably like a 10-acre farm in St. Francis, and I could be misspeaking. But like they hit me up and asked if they could give us some food. Or, um, you know, these these folks are growing all this produce in hoop houses at Parkside, all of a sudden, they're bringing us all the food in the world. We had so many greens from this chick, Aaron, that I actually stopped. Like, I was like, I don't know. I can put greens in anything. I don't know what to put this in. <laughs> Turns out you can actually really make a very delicious spinach and artichoke dip. Just skip the spinach and like throw a bunch of collards and in there. It worked out.
1: So I guess you would say that this was overall really successful. Then, I mean, that first wave was, I mean, helped you guys out, helped keep a lot of people up, was feeding the community. And I know you said, you know, you started off at like 150 meals a day. Uh, You ended up with 1,800 on the last day. I know... When I was dropping off food with you, you were saying something like, you know, you were serving like 4 to $700.00. Yeah. Know. 4
2: to 700 was like our sweet spot for like probably two, two and a half months. But near the end there, we just started going crazy because people also started to feel back to normal again a little bit. You know, like it, people weren't as scared to leave the home, but you still weren't getting your job back. and mm-hmm. You still didn't really have any unemployment that came yet. Or the unemployment threw off your food stamps and so now you don't have a, a way that you're used to eating and getting access to nutrition. Yeah, at the end we were just like, well, whatever, let's make as much food as possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then in your area too, I mean that would be kind of considered a, a food desert, wouldn't it? I mean a little bit. Well, not too many grocery stores, not a whole lot of...
2: I, it's actually just not a, a great... I'm not sure people say food desert anymore either. I don't know what they're calling it these days. There's something new, but it's like... It's not the best place to access nutritious eating options. That said, Gaust is a grocery store that's been on 16th and North for 80 years or more. That place is great. You can get yams, greens, I mean like everything. There's a lot of fresh food in there. And there is a save a lot up the street from us in Fond du Lac. And the Fondy Market in the summer is open four days. So there's a lot of access to like fresh foods but what happens when your your daycare is still closed, your kids are not in school, you actually got the golden ticket and you got your job at Pick and Save, or you got hired someplace to make fifteen bucks an hour with relief pay, and it's essential to your family's survival, you can throw as many collard greens as you want at a twelve year old, that kid's gonna be hungry or gonna eat at Checkers. So it's a complicated environment because like it's there's access to healthy foods but something about the foods being healthy and prepared really i think was what people responded to we had two ladies miss loretta and her friend came every day first in line like they would put up they brought little lawn chairs sat down (laughs) i'm dead serious was two hours early because they didn't want to have to stand in line you know they're retired they don't want to deal with that Mm -hmm. because they were picking up for both of their daughters. Because their daughters were working. And the least they could do, they didn't have a bunch of money to spend on this, but if food was available and their daughters needed access to it, they would wait in line every morning and pick up for the two households and take them and drop them off because after she'd been working at some sh- job all day, at least she could come home, throw something in the oven and feed her
1: family. And no, you weren't taking any money for any of that? Though.
2: No, we took donations. Like, oh, okay. if, So people also, I, I find in times like this, especially you really see what everyone's made of, Folks would bring stuff to trade. I mean, people who were waiting in line every day would bring us a bag of coffee once a week to keep us going, or you know, maybe something they got in a care package someplace else it was or a buck or two every time they you know grabbed something. So it wasn't just like, I don't know, it felt very community oriented. It was always we knew everybody, you know, we got to know some neighbors we had never known before. It was really yeah, participatory.
1: Yeah, I imagine that you probably had people from the community who wouldn't normally go into your restaurant just for one reason or another.
2: Yeah, this lady, Christine, lives behind the restaurant. I'd see her on the street and she kind of scowl at me. And now, like, this has changed our entire relationship and understanding one another. We never actually got to know each other. And now, you know, even we haven't handed out a free meal through our front door since probably been since early September um, because we focused on some other things. We had a free community fridge outside, but the fridge, the MKE free food fridge or community fridge was sitting out front and folks would come and go all day, like a little free library and just grab food if they needed some. So Christine would knock. Every time she was walking by, knocking the window, I'd come out, we'd say hey, and kick it like we're friends now. It, it was a good thing, I think, for us to come a little stronger together.
1: So what are some of those other, I mean, so you just mentioned the the community fridge. What are some of the other things that you're doing in between this uh, push that you had with the voters and um, the free meals that you were putting out?
2: Yeah. So the community fridge is not mine. It's these two chicks, Sarah and Hatea. They had this idea. They saw it in like Madison or New York and thought it was a good idea. They Instagram messaged us and were like, can we plug this in outside? And we can pay you for the electricity. And I was like, my contribution will be the $20 of electricity to this every month. <laughs> and so it just sits there. Uh, it's like a little free library. You bring food, you grab food. Um, a lot of people donate throughout the week, like stuff they don't need anymore at their house, um, or go to the grocery store and buy some stuff. And then they took donations of their own so they could stock it pretty consistently so that it wasn't all just like cucumbers in August. I put some of them in there, too. I didn't know what to do with them all. So that was their project, and that has uh, just been removed because Wisconsin winter is not super uh, hospitable to appliances outdoors. So it was going to stop working pretty soon. (laughs) Um, And they're trying to figure out a solution for that. And then we stopped doing meals in early September in a traditional format because we actually started um, making... Snacks and meals for kids for an after-school tutoring program we started because for the first time in my life, the tandem had money and access to resources, and I had an idea and was just like, I'll just try this. And so we did it outside for a while, and then um, got too cold to be outside, so we brought it indoors. It's just volunteers, tutors that get screened and do a small application process coming in to do some one-on-one work with kids who have been on the computer all day, already, all day already and do not want to have another virtual tutor. So how do we bribe you with a cool t-shirt, you know, actually get you through your math homework so it gets submitted, give your mom an hour and a half or two hours off for your grandparents who drop you off with relief every day and, you know, kind of just help out because the school year is really messed up. Kids in our community are falling through the cracks in a normal year. And now we're looking at like a digital school year where like, by some estimates, a quarter of MPS students haven't logged in. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a dumpster fire. And so that's what we're doing. But we're not really doing that anymore because you've been inside the tandem. It's a small space. And so we're going to have, you know, six or seven kids and six or seven tutors and then the five to six people who are on staff at all times. That's too tight, especially with everything going on right now in this very moment. Oh, sorry for hitting the mic. And so Owen's place is actually a community center next to Mr. J's on Fond du Lac, like 46th in Fond du Lac, I think. They've got a huge space. I mean, it's probably like 10,000 square feet. So there we're just taking the entire program, picking it up, sliding it down the road and plopping it in. So that that gives us time to fill our entire dining room and walk-in freezer and two walk-in coolers with massive amounts of... Food so that restaurants can retrieve food purchased by the city to make meals for low income seniors who need food more than now than ever. Who, you know, in a regular time have two or three kids or grandkids living with them, but now you've got eight people in the house, you know? It's getting tighter and tighter, and people are working less and less. So, trying to help out and make sure people stay fed through the winter while simultaneously, as the patios have literally just shuttered their last breath.
1: Restaurants can make some money until May. So that's really your where you're now now for the second wave. is. It's my
2: full-time job. That's is, all I do. I, I can and, the show, city,
1: and the city is paying for all this food.
2: Yeah, so the, um, the city is trying to help, you know what I mean? And they're putting together, they were able to pick up some food. Reinhardt was awesome as a distributor. I mean, I called this guy, Chad. We've never even had a contract with Reinhardt. At the tandem. I think we signed the paperwork because they were donating like gloves and and tins to us during the pandemic. They were really they were like, we don't need your business. We just want to help. And I was like, well, look, I'd like to buy a bunch of money worth of groceries and bill it to somebody else so that people can get fed. And, And he turned that around in like 20 hours. I mean, it was really cool. But I literally had to like wade through a bunch of pallets to get out the door to get here.
1: And that's all just sitting right in your dining room. Just right it's literally in the middle of my dining room. That's awesome.
2: We have to like organize it now and put it together like a little little shop. And then so
1: now other restaurants can come through, pick up some of that stuff, and then make yeah. as many meals as they can out of it.
2: So the idea is we have like some deli- – so the, the delivery makes it a little different in that we are servicing homes that have identified they need help. And so – and also making it so that they can stay at home. These are – Seniors, um, a lot of them have pre existing conditions or other complications that they should not be out here running around in the middle of flu season when (laughs) Wisconsin is a COVID dumpster fire. Like, just stay home, (laughs) leave it on the porch. And so, yeah, so restaurants basically will get an assignment a week in advance. They'll know that they're making 300 portions to distribute to 86 households or whatever it is. And if there are any dietary restrictions, they'll come shopping so they'll say oh i'm gonna make enchiladas and they'll grab some ground beef and tortillas and you know tomato paste and whatever the hell else they're gonna need i full disclosure i've never made enchiladas i'm not sure if that description was made that very obvious (laughs) um so they'll go shopping for what they need and then they'll fulfill that order bring it in
1: and we'll store it and then deliver it and then, again, this is all being funded through the World Central Kitchen? This
2: is the city of Milwaukee. Oh, now. this is the city yeah, of this Milwaukee. This is the city. There's two broads, my friends Gina and Danielle, and they helped with what we were doing this summer with like all the food relief and kind of helping. They put uh, training meals on us to figure out how to basically go to the city with something like this. And they did all the hard work. We just like managed the food part of things. And my buddy Patrick helped too, but but they put together this like really, you know, I would just be like, yeah, I made some food. Here's a spreadsheet, and they like made it a little more legitimate. <laughs> and it was legitimate work. I just don't know how to do
1: that quite yet. So they helped us because they knew that this was a really good long-term solution for Milwaukee. Um, so is there any um, any advice or anything that you could give to anyone who would be listening to this about how that how they can help, about how they can participate, and how they can help keep some of these uh, small business owners open and not just them, but help keep feeding the underprivileged within these communities?
2: Yeah. I mean, pick, uh, not everyone has the finances to like be dining out all the time, which I get, but pick one or two places that you can't imagine not existing this time next year and commit yourself to buying something from them on whatever schedule every week, every month, that makes sense for you and encourage your friends to do the same thing because that little bit of income is not only a little bit of income, but it's, it's a a chef restaurateur's reason to keep going in every day. You know what I mean? You want to, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a specific restaurant that I'm not naming, but it's not Sanford. So I'm not going to say like the fine, this is a different fine dining restaurant, but I've got a friend who goes into work every day and does every thing sometimes for a week when you have eight reservations on the books, you know, where you used to have a bustling 70 seat restaurant or something like it's, So not only does that little bit of income help as far as like money, but it helps somebody keep doing this when it seems impossible, you know, puts a smile on somebody's face when they thought no one was coming and all of a sudden they see you're coming. You know, even if you're not into dining in, figure out how to carry out. Gift cards are kind of played out now. I think, like, that was a really cool idea in the beginning until everyone realized that this is going to go on forever, eternally, and we're all going <laughs> to die. <laughs> and so that's, like, a tougher sell. Um, but, there, you know, you could pay a restaurant to feed frontline workers. You could just give money to a restaurant or give money to a chef. I have a friend who in times before has, like, literally – Come with a $100 bill and been like, this is for you. Because I know if, if you're drowning right now, you're definitely not paying yourself while you're covering at least the six people you have left on payroll. Like, pay your rent. Buy a pizza.
1: <laughs> so you still have at least, you have about six people on your staff right now?
2: Yeah, it got smaller. One of my guys is going to take some time off. He injured his foot. But we have one, two, three, four-ish, five-ish working Employees. full-time for you yeah full-time so everybody who's working is basically it's also you know the restaurant industry every employee that works at every restaurant is ill all the time uh-huh. or hungover and in a pandemic we can't do that um and so everyone's on a salary everyone has 14 paid days off and that is literally like if there is a reason that you really think you're sick stay home
1: yeah i mean that's what i'm going through with my staff right now you know i have people they they Call up and they say, "Hey, I'm just not feeling well. It's just just stay home. Stay don't, home. Don't come in. Um,
2: that would have been an excuse for me to make fun of someone previously. Like oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm like I haven't felt well in three years.
1: Yeah. Oh I'll yeah. see you at one. I, I didn't realize how good I felt <laughs> until I actually woke up feeling good one day. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: what a surprise.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's,
2: that's crazy.
1: <laughs> and you said you were down from a staff of 25 down to...
2: Our staff numbers change, right? So when we've got a staff of like, you know, old timers for a minute, when I hurt myself uh, and I was out for like almost four months my staff was way smaller, even though I had to hire people to replace me, which turned out to be very expensive. You know, when it's like kids who have been in the game with us for a while, or a lot of them came back, then it's a smaller staff. I can do 18 people if it's some of them experienced. Um, But at our height, we've had like 32 or 33 people working there. It just depends on where we're at in the cycle.
1: Wow. And that just shows you how how hard it's hitting businesses like yours. I mean, I got to say, you know, Gloriosos, because we're a grocery store, we've had the benefit of being open not really having to worry about some of this kind of stuff that's why you know like when your emails come through i'm always like hey you know during that first one you guys were really helping us more than we were helping you because you know when we shut down we had all this stuff that we threw into the freezer and it was kind of like well okay you know what are we going to do with all with yeah. all this stuff you know we have to
2: still taste good but you can't sell something with an expiry date that doesn't work on it as a grocery store yeah,
1: you know so a lot of the food banks and things like that, we were calling them up and they were like, no, 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 we can't take it. We don't want it. And you were like, bring it on in. Just come Look, on down. I'm you know? pretty good
2: at saying <laughs> yes to anything because there have been times where we've been really working with whatever the hell we had left. We took everyone through the Fiserv, uh, through the food from the serve at Feeding America, but we weren't going to take the best stuff. You know what I mean? We wanted mm-hmm. to like really celebrate our partners. And so everyone's taking big old beef roasts and ribs and there were lobster tails in there i think we got like 40 cases of bratwurst i mean like you can make a lot of things out of bratwurst but it's pretty hard to get creative
1: so is there anything else that you would like to you know bring up or think that's important i know you mentioned on your website that there's a, a place for donations so that people can come in and donate to uh Your restaurant?
2: Yeah, we'll be fine is what I want to keep telling people. So, like, people ask all the time how to help us. And I think the best way to help us, I'll let folks know when we need money. I have no problem raising my hand and saying, like, hey, it's time. We haven't talked to anyone or asked for donations since we put a button up in March. Um, But I think the best way to help us right now is to help somebody. If there's anything I've learned from this experience, it's that they say that Like, you know, therapists and stuff, like, oh, the best way in moments of crisis to do well yourself is to be of service to others in some way, to give. It doesn't doesn't have to be cash. It can be an action. Do that. It's really beneficial. I've had the best year of my life. And it's it's 2020, <laughs> and I've had the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because you're probably
1: the only person who's educated 2020.
2: Then because <laughs> we, we were able to push the boundaries of what it is, what everything means. We're a restaurant. What does that mean? We've always been a community social enterprise. What does that mean? Does it mean I can close my doors and and just be a soup kitchen? I guess it does. Does it mean I can be a school? Yeah. Does it mean I can navigate contracts with the city? Yeah, I guess it does. Like. I think the more we put ourselves out there to try new ways to adapt and to help, the better off we're all going to be.
1: I, I, couldn't agree more. So I guess, uh, cause I'm kind of out of questions. Um, I just guess I would want to say to like anybody listening to this is, uh, you know, get involved in any way you can. Um, Get out there and try to support some of these little restaurants in your community. Try to keep these people open because it's not there just Take them some
2: cookies. I yeah. mean, like take, you know, a restaurant that you like some muffins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like just something.
1: Yeah, but get out there and support some of these places because, you know, places like yours are keeping people in work, keeping the community fed. And um, stay in touch if you get... Any more opportunities getting up to like the World Central Kitchen or if you got anything more that's going on that uh, you need some help with, please reach out. And, uh, you know, Look, we'll Mother's Day is
2: just around the corner again. Oh, we got kidding. Christmas. We got Christmas first. <laughs> oh, so, Christmas. Geez. I forgot. Oh, my God. What day is it? Where uh, are we? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs>
1: But, hey, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Thank you. I appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, some people hear this and uh, gets gets the word out there and and helps uh, places like yours stay afloat during this time.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a really nice way to walk away from all of those groceries sitting in the middle of the dining room because, like, literally they had just arrived. (laughs) I was like, all right, guys, I'll see you in a little while. (laughs) Um, and honestly, just thanks for, I don't know, talking, you guys have always been so super helpful and it, it's, I think the more we know that we're all
1: in this together, the better off we all are. All right. I agree. All right. Well, all thanks right. for coming in.